Hey, everybody. It's great to see you today as we continue our message series of surviving and thriving. And today we're going to be talking about forgiveness. Now, I know some of you have heard this story before, but I think it's worth sharing my major blunder that I had several years ago when my oldest son was still in a car seat and it was wintertime and we were driving home and we were up to this intersection and across the intersection was traffic where the, everything went into one lane. In our intersection, the right lane goes straight and the left lane turned left and we were with a car right next to us. And as we began to go straight, I soon realized that the car next to me was not turning left, but decided to go straight as well and was running me off the road into where the construction was taking place. And so I fell behind, and in my little bit of dis disappointment, if you will, as we were driving up that hill, I pressed down the gas pedal to quickly come up alongside this young man. And I, I rolled down my window. He was on my left side. Now, I rolled down my window for what I tend to say sometimes while I'm driving, teach him a lesson. And so as I rolled down my window and began to lean my head out so I could share with him my opinion of his driving behavior, he hit a pothole. And as soon as he hit that pothole, all the slush from the road, from the winter road, came flying up into my face and into my mouth. And then before I could even say anything, I looked into the back and saw my oldest son, who was just a little boy in the car seat thinking, Dad, you look like an idiot. You know, so many times we're like that, aren't we? Where we just put ourselves in circumstances where we respond the wrong way to the circumstances that we are faced with. You know, it's been said that life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% of how you respond. You know, this is so true. Oftentimes, the outcomes of our life is affected most by how we respond to the circumstances that we face. It's just the reality of this world. I mean, look at what the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 12, 9. He said, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. You know, when we are wronged, it has a tendency to develop a heart of bitterness. I became bitter when I was cut off that day. And so oftentimes, as I look at my journey, I see how moments when I feel I was wronged and the bitterness that began to raise up within my heart, and maybe you experienced that too. And if forgiveness is not fought for, evilness can consume our attitude and control our focus. And before we know it, we're way out of line. And if anybody understood this battle, it would be Joseph who we've been talking about over the past few weeks in our Surviving and Thriving series. You know, look at this timeline that's on your screen right now. As, as we talked about jo jo Joseph's story up to this point, he was 17 years old when he was sold into slavery. And then through those knucklehead young man time of his, of his life, he was in slavery. Then he went through the situation we talked about a few weeks ago when, when Potiphar's wife tried to pull him away and, and he was thrown into prison. And then it was around 28 years old when he uh, told uh, the, the baker and the, the, um, um, the other man in prison with him their dreams, uh, the baker and the butler, their dreams, and then they went out, and he was forgotten for another two years, and it was 30 years old when he was brought out of prison and put second command with Pharaoh. And looking at his timeline, Joseph was sold, as I said, into slavery at 17 years old. And today we're picking up the story when his brothers who sold him into slavery were just coming back. It was his first encounters with his brothers since he was 17 years old. And at this point, Joseph was around 39 years old. 
Around 13 years Joseph spent in a hard life of slavery and imprisonment. It was another nine years that he spent living as second in command of Egypt. You add all those years together, it was around 22 years that Joseph was on this journey. 22 years of hurt. 22 years of uncertainty. Separated by his family. Separated from his homeland. 22 years of potential anger being built up within his own heart. 22 years. Can you imagine that? This is not something that transpired over a week or a month. This was years of torment and agony and disappointment. And now we get to a juicy part of the story. In Genesis 42, I'm going to kind of give you the Bill, ba- Bill Balbach overview of the story. I really encourage you, go into Genesis 42 and read the story for, your, for yourself because it truly is unbelievable. But at this time period, there was famine in the land as Joseph predicted the dreams that Pharaoh had. And there was times of plenty when they were able to build up the stockpile that they had. And then they went into famine and the people of Egypt were now providing all that food for for their country and for neighboring countries that were in need. And Joseph put together that plan. He was the governor of the land and the person that sold all the grain to, to everybody that had a need. And at this point, his brothers came to Egypt for grain. And then when they approached Joseph, they had no idea who he was. And they bowed down face to the ground before Joseph. And they didn't recognize him, but Joseph knew immediately who they were. But Joseph pretended to be a stranger and spoke harshly to them, accusing them to be spies. And Joseph put them into custody and he put them through a test. And he said, I'm going to send you to go get your younger brother. And you need to bring him back because they told him about a younger brother that was born after Joseph was sold into slavery. And so Joseph began to put them through a test. And look what's written in Genesis 42 through 24 as Joseph was encountering and interacting with his brothers and beginning to throw them through this test. He, the Bible says he turned away from them and began to weep, but then came back and spoke to them again. He had Simeon, one of the brothers, taken from them and bound before their eyes. See, Joseph said, here, I'm going to take this brother. I'm going to keep him in jail. You need to go back and get your other brother. And in this moment, as he turned away and began to cry, here we see the true raw emotions and hurt that have been bottled up in Joseph's heart for 22 years. This is the battle. In the middle of our emotions, is to either let evilness consume us or to choose to let good win. That's the battle in the middle of all of our emotions. Joseph, in this moment, he gave his brother's grain to take back home and they gave him money for the grain, silver, which he planted back in their their bags. And he sent them off to retrieve the younger brother, Benjamin, who he said, you need to bring him back if you don't want this brother to be left in slavery. And that's what they did. You know, forgiveness is a challenging topic because it brings up so much hurt. 
It's almost like if you're swimming in a lake or an ocean and you're down on the bottom on the ocean floor and you see something you want, like a, like a rock or a seashell or something that's beautiful, and you go grab it, and as you grab it, you hit the sand, and everything just kind of muddies up the water. And what was once visible is now so cloudy and you can't see what's going on. And forgiveness acts as the same way. You try not to stir it up, but as soon as you do, it kind of muddies your emotions and stirs everything else up. But don't miss this. Forgiving is the remedy for a healing to occur. That's the remedy. You want the remedy for healing in your heart? It begins with forgiveness. Forgiveness does not mean excusing the wrongdoing. It does not mean that you stay within a hurtful relationship. That is not healthy. But forgiveness is releasing the hurt. It's letting it go. It's not allowing the hurt to consume you or control you anymore. And forgiveness really has two parts to it. The first is inward healing. Inward healing is really a process. You know, going back to Joseph's story in Genesis 43, Joseph's brothers, they went back to their homeland, to their father, and they told their dad about the situation, what had happened. And they were all scared. They were all confused. And their father was almost to the point of death because of his own grief. He did not want to send Benjamin back, but that was the only way for them to find peace. That was the only way for them to get the other brothers back to do that and trust that, that Benjamin will be brought back safely. And then when they all, when the brothers with Benjamin returned back to Egypt, I'm fast forwarding through this so quickly, I encourage you to read the story. When they returned back to Egypt, Joseph invited them into his own house to have lunch with his brothers, and they were so nervous about what was going to happen. But Joseph had them around the table. He was eating with them. He was catching up with them, if you will. And talking about, tell me about your family. Tell me about your home. What's going on? What's your father happening with your father? And he kind of was understanding their situation. And then in this moment, Genesis 43, verse 30, it says this again. Deeply moved at the sight of his brother, Joseph hurried out and looked for a place to weep. He went into his private room and he wept there. As I read this verse, I can only imagine the emotions that are tormenting Joseph in this moment, the memories flashing in his mind the day he was sold into slavery, his pleading for mercy to his brothers, just let me go. The years of torment from that day to this moment, being separated from his family, all the memories that he missed, I can just imagine the torment of the emotions that Joseph was feeling right now as he was reminiscing with the brothers who had no idea who he was. These are real, hurtful, raw emotions that build up when we're wronged. And Joseph, in this moment, he then said, listen, you guys are good to go. But in his mind, he was planning one more test. He gave them all the grain to take back for their families. And he slipped his own personal silver cup into Benjamin's sack, and he sent them on their way. And when the brothers found that, he sent Joseph, sent his, his guards out to get them and bring them back, and said, someone stole my silver cup. And they brought them all back, and they found the silver cup in jo Joseph's, or I'm sorry, Benjamin's bag. And they all began to plead for mercy, to, to please let Benjamin go. And Joseph said, no, this, old, this brother must now go into slavery. 
for, all he, for, for, for his life. In other words, Joseph is telling his brothers, what you did to me, they had no idea who he was, but what you did to me, I'm about to do to him. And this was his moment to get back at them, to get the revenge. You can imagine the emotions that were building up. Joseph had his chance to get even. His brothers were fearful and afraid that they could not allow this to happen. They're pleading for Benjamin, and they're pleading for Benjamin on the sake of their father's life, who would die in grief if Benjamin did not return. Then this happened. In Genesis 45, the Bible says, Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants. And he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence so that there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly, he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him. And Pharaoh's household heard about it. All the people around that area heard the fact of Joseph's amazing and uncontrollable breakdown. This is the moment that Joseph released the hurt. This is the moment when true forgiveness began to occur. This is the moment when in Joseph's heart and his life, when healing was realized. This was the moment when it was released. And you can see the release of those emotions. And through those raw emotions of our hurt, love must win. Love must win. That means good must overcome evil. Just like what Paul wrote in Romans, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Love must win. Not the evilness that stirs up in our heart. Have, have you ever thought about how an unwillingness to forgive affects our relationship with Jesus? During the Lord's Prayer, Jesus said these words in Matthew 6, verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we also forg have forgiven our debtors. Our ability and willingness to give forgiveness affects our ability to receive forgiveness. We see this numerous times spelled out throughout the, the New Testament as Jesus compared forgiveness that we share with the forgiveness that he provides. In other words, we can't experience the fullness of his relationship without living out the reality of that relationship with others in our life. We need to have inward healing. And we see that begin to happen with Joseph. The second part of forgiving is outward restoration. You know, here's the hard part. Outward restoration may not be possible. It takes two to tango. Did you ever hear that phrase? Well, it's true. It takes two to tango. In other words, we are responsible for our part in the restoration part and process. However, we cannot control, nor are we responsible for how the other person responds. But we must strive for it. We must strive for restoration. Here's some great pointers, some quick steps to the healing process of outward restoration that's found in Romans 12, verses 9 through 21. We're going through this very quickly. I encourage you to read those verses and digest these notes alongside those verses in Romans 12, verses 9 through 21. But here's the reality. First, we need to understand people are not your problem. 
People are not your problem. Overcoming evil is the battle. Going back to the verse that we already highlighted several, several times, verse 9 of Romans 12, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. People are not the problem. Evil is the problem. And the more you view that person as the problem, the more bitterness will consume you and you will be destroyed by your own bitterness and rage. Evilness is the battle. Secondly, choose to do good to those who wrong you. Choose to do good to them. I know this, this is hard. I, I'm sure some of you would just cringe when you heard me say that, to choose good to do, to, to do good to those people who hurt you. And some of you, like Joseph, are feeling the rise of raw emotions in your heart from all the past hurt. But just, like, but just take a moment to see some of the things that Paul expressed in Romans 12. He wrote, bless those who persecute you in verse 14. Do not repay evil for evil in verse 17. Do not take revenge in verse 19. And then the biggie in verse 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. In these verses, it states to do good to your enemies. And in so doing, you will heap burning coals on their head. I love this. You want to get even? Do good. Good always wins. Because when you choose to get even and get back at them, you're actually losing. Because it causes just more hurt and bitterness to consume your heart and your attitude and your focus. You're not winning. Choose good. The next we learn in, in these verses is, is to stop and try to see things through their lens. See through their lens. Paul writes in verse 15 to rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. In other words, walk in their shoes. This is what empathy is all about. Experiencing the world that they live in. So often, more hurt is brought into this world because we focus more on our own personal reality rather than trying to, to see the reality through their eyes. And I think this is what Joseph did with his brothers. He pulled them all together, and he was learning about their experience, trying to see the world through their current viewpoint. When he asked them about their household, when he brought them in for lunch, when he was trying to see the world through their eyes, I think he was building that relationship, trying to empathize with their situation. Next, do your part to strive for peace. Verse 18, Paul writes this, if it, is, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. This verse reveals that peace is not always possible. We're not responsible for the choices that someone else makes, but we are responsible for how we choose to respond, for what, what we choose to do. Control your response. Choose to do good. Let love win. Don't entertain evil. And let bitterness consume your heart. Do good. You know, going back to Joseph's story, Joseph then revealed himself in that moment. His brothers were initially terrified at his presence. And then Joseph explains this in Genesis 45, verse 5. And now he says, Do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. You know, there's something to note here. 
about this story. Through this forgiveness journey, Joseph learned the true heart of his brothers, and their hearts were primed for restoration. You know, unfortunately, there's times when the people that hurt us, their hearts are not primed for restoration. Peace may not be possible, but whatever the outcome of the outward restoration is, it should not inhibit us toward inward healing. The inward healing, the first step of forgiveness, must happen no matter what. Because without it, evilness will will destroy your heart. And you won't be able to to thrive in in your spiritual journey. The inability to strive for outward uh, restoration, to forgive, will ultimately restrict your ability to heal inwardly, which will eventually develop a bitter attitude. And bitterness is destructive. It destroys us. And it will destroy you. Look what's written in Proverbs 17, verse 13. Evil will never leave the house of one who pays back evil for good. Let love win. Love must be sincere. Don't let evilness consume you. Choose to do good. Follow the steps of Joseph. Follow the pattern we see in Romans 12. To forgive and let forgiveness thrive in your heart so you may experience the fullness and forgiveness of Jesus. To thrive in forgiveness, it has to start here. It has to start within. Every relationship in your life affects every other relationship in your life. It's just the reality of how we were created. My relationship with my spouse or my relationship with my parents ultimately affect my relationship with my kids and other people around me. Every relationship affects every other relationship. And ultimately, this all begins with your relationship with Jesus. You'll never be able to fully experience the forgiveness that he wants to provide if you're unwilling to follow his pattern of forgiveness in this world. You just won't. You won't. And likewise, because of our hurt in this world and other relationships, it's negatively impacting many of our relationships with Jesus. It all starts there. So how's your relationship with him? You know, ultimately, we made the biggest blunder when we choose to go against the heart of God and sin. But God loved us so much that he sent his one and only son into this world that we may be forgiven and died on that cross. And for those who choose to accept and follow him will be saved and will experience him in a whole new way. So where are you at? Where's your relationship with Jesus? I want to encourage you to really ponder that. Maybe you've been with him, but you've wandered off a little bit. It needs to be time to step back in and get real with him. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. And if that's you, can you reach out to us? Because we would love to help you begin that journey, to understand the hope that only comes through Jesus, the forgiveness that only he can provide, 
as you give your life over to him, as you experience his, the beauty of who he, who he is in his death, his burial, and his resurrection through baptism, as you say, yes, Jesus, I want all of you, you will never be um, disappointed if you make that choice. If that's you, will you reach out to us so that we can begin that journey with you so you can experience the reality of forgiveness? Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you because you are good. And Lord, right now, we just pray that you will guide us and lead us towards your heart. Lord, for those right now with um, broken and hurting relationships, we pray for your healing power to begin in the inward uh, places right now in all of our hearts, to begin that process. And Lord God, I pray that you help us to take the steps for outward restoration, that we may survive, but we may ultimately thrive in our relationships because of because we are practicing the reality of forgiveness, receiving and giving. And Lord, ultimately, we, I pray for each person that may not know you right now. I pray that in this moment, they may get real and reach out for you and take the steps to experience you in a whole new way. It's in your name we pray. Amen.